I don't really know what this is going to be e evolve into. Um, I feel very inadequate to lead it because my vision is far superior to even what my capacity is, and I think that's good. But I'm, I've been laying before you, I hope, that God has been birthing within you a real desire to become a completed believer in your experience. And what I mean by that? I mean that in a very short period of time that you, you do certain things with the scriptures and with the teaching and with the studies and everything that I'm presenting to you so that the Holy Spirit can literally form the experience that is presently in Christ Jesus within your experience. Scripture says in Romans 8:19 that all creation is waiting for a revealing of a people called sons of God. Now that word is huios. And, and there's been a misnomer of thinking, I think, in, in the body of Christ when they say we are all sons of God. Yes, that's true in position. But it's not true in experience. And when they quote the scripture, love and now are we the sons of God, the word sons there is technon. And it's transcribed really most often in the scriptures as children or as men and women being proven in all the principles of God's precepts of obedience. No one has ever come to their adoption yet. And what I mean by that, the word adoption is huesia, huesia, some people pronounce it. It means the literal placement of the Son of God. And what does that mean? It means that all the administration of the Heavenly Father then becomes incarnate in you, and you become the executor of all the Father's inheritance. And that's a tremendous responsibility. So all creation is waiting for these people to appear. Now, when I talk about prophets, I'm talking about your, your commitment and dedication to come to being a prophet that is in superior, superior quality to what even was in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, they, in the major and minor prophets, they, they would what we, I would call in the New Testament, they were lawless. In other words, they did their thing, and God honored that. They did that which is right in their own eyes. They, they did not have to be submissive to anybody, accountable to nobody. But now we come to the New Testament and we have something far superior and more demanding. In the Old Testament, God used the prophets almost with presumption, but in the New Testament, he will only use us as we lose our presumption by which we become so sanctified in our, in our conscious life, our subconscious life, that we become a little expression of Jesus Christ. Now, you've never seen, the earth has never seen this kind of a people come on the face of the earth. And yet you're going to find them coming, coming out of I use the term out of the wilderness very quickly in these next few weeks and months and very near years that they're going to come to a place by which they are 
far superior to what was that God honored in the Old Testament, but they're going to be exactly equal to what Jesus was on the earth. But beyond that, they're going to exceed what he did on the earth. We've never seen leadership in the body of Christ come to a place by which they are doing the equal works. For Jesus said, He that believes in me and the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than this shall he do, because I go to my Father. And we have never even seen the equal works, let alone the greater works. But when this matured company of prophets, or I would rather call them, when these matured ones are fully birthed, fully completed, they will be sons of God with the equality that presently exists at this moment in Christ Jesus. Now that's a horrendous goal. That's the, that's the good news. It will not happen automatically. And only a remnant of believers out of the universal body of Christ will attain that in the first principle sense. And everything that I teach and preach is to trust in the Holy Spirit to birth within you a, a godly motivation and a holy ambition to contend for that prize of maturity. I know that's going to be a necessary part of learning. But become dedicated in your hearts that you're going to do what has to be done in spiritual laws and spiritual rules and spiritual precepts so that you really can, so that Jesus can, through the Holy Spirit, literally conform you to the absolute fullness of himself. Isn't that a marvelous idea? And you don't hear this kind of preaching too much. You hear, well, believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, and hope in, the, hope, hope, hope in God, and everything's going to be all right. Well, I'm here to tell you I wish them luck. Because positional Christianity, all of this is present now in your position. Jesus appeared to me in a pastor's home in South Oklahoma, I think it was 82, saying that the doctrine of positional Christianity prolonged in your life will ensure that you are couched in deception. What a bomb of a statement. Because I hear matured leaders saying, this is your position in Christ, presuming that that is acceptable to God, or presumptuously assuming that that is equal to being faith. But it is not. God is going to absolutely require all that is written in the scriptures to be fulfilled within your experience. Now, unless <coughs> I have a goal tonight that I'm going to get in because I, I might be saying a lot of things that you have never heard. Please don't do damage to your future by being critical or rashly judgmental or gossipy or tailbearing. 
I might be saying some profound things because no matter, even though I preach far superior to where I am, I always preach out of my experience. I'm already walking in the things that I teach to a great de degree, and I haven't been demonstrating this much so far to you. But unless you can really become a person who discerns, who can divide, who can perceive, and who can recognize your human spirit as something different than your soul or your mind, you will never grow up in Christ. It's imperative that you begin to learn to discern your spirit as a little entity. In the spirit realm, it has weight to it. It takes up space. They're proven scientifically in hospitals or other places. At the point of death, the body loses weight. It loses the weight of that ethereal being called spirit. Isn't that amazing? Also, have you ever heard the term, and I have to identify term terms so you so that you can learn terms. This is why I, I have over here how to be teachable in your heart and mind. I want you as many of you to get a hold of that tape and, and get a and get a hold of the study outlines or in what I gave you. How to be teachable because nobody's teachable. That's why we have so much division in the body of Christ because the moment that we any two of us don't understand what the other is understanding or believing and it might be true things, then we divide. We divide on the basis of doctrine. That is a very evidence of the mind playing God. So the scripture says that in the, in the Hebrews that the word of God that's alive and powerful and is sharper than a two-edged sword to the cleaving asunder of the dividing of the human spirit from the human soul is a desire of the very thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, if I was to take a sword and I'd cleave you asunder, there would be two distinct bloody messes. But the Word of God that is alive divides your spirit man from your soul or your mind man. And I think it's important for you to learn this, that God does not contact your mind. He never speaks in the human mind. The human mind, the human soul, is a lower form of life than spirit. There's a physical life, and then there's a psychic life, which is soul life, and then there is the spiritual life. Now also, Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Your thoughts may be exactly equal to his because you have studied the word and you've listened to the word being preached that's been stored in your memories. And so you may recall that out of your memories thinking that's God. It may be identical to God's, but it will never produce faith. Faith only comes by hearing, and that by hearing the Hrema. Now, all that is written and all that is uttered is logos. All that is preached is logos. And the only way that it becomes rhema is where it goes through your physical hearing senses, 
down into your subconscious into your heart. And there the Holy Spirit quickens it and changes it from Logos to Hrema. Faith comes by hearing and that by hearing the Hrema. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So it's important for you to learn to live and walk in your spirit. And you can't live and walk in your spirit until you discern your spirit as a real being, a created being that has substance to it, that takes up weight, takes up space, apart from your soul, physical man, or your mind, physical person, until you discern that. Now, let me give you an example, because I, I, I think it's imperative to, to save a lot of years of time. I haven't got time to be careful with milk any longer. You haven't got time to be careless with milk any longer. I'm, and God's going to have to help me here. Lord, you help me. Because I don't want to see any of you lost by the rational, logical, reasoning, intellectual mind playing God. I don't want you to, to, to be presumptuous in in uh, making negative remarks about a lot of things I say because everything I teach and everything that I am, I am submitting to a host of apostles and prophets throughout the nation continuously to examine me to see whether I'm still on target or I'm still prevailing in truth. Does that make sense? I'm not a lawless man. I'm not doing this, but uh, I guarantee you're going to be stretched and the way that you think and the way you understand. Because you won't grow unless you're stretched. Please, be committed that you're going to give yourself to study in the days that I'm not with you. I've got so much information. Look at this one here, which I didn't have last time. Here, I just made this up. Study aids for the prophets. There's 10 study manuals the body of Christ is not even grounded in security in the elementary doctrines of Christ, let alone the heavenly manna of Christ. These ten manuals are study manuals, and, and I have a special on it. It's, it's this whole package of the church, divine order, and so forth. I won't go through. You can get this as free. Then I have stud, uh, ten study outlines. And in each study outline is a whole series of studies like I've given to you tonight, just a sample of what is a prophet, what is an apostle, and things like this. Uh, you need to learn how to study. Not just one who reads the scriptures, you need to know how to read them with your heart and not with your mind. You need to be able to hear God in it instead of just rational reasoning it. There's so many things that I need to share to you that 90 minutes with you is, is almost not enough any, uh, because you've got just a matter of a very few months maybe to come to a place of being capable of the relationship with Jesus Christ so that he can accelerate you into perfection. You may have just a matter of months. It's that close. Now, some things I might say would be very scary, 
Don't be foolish to say, oh, I'll never make it. I believe that God is teaching me and giving me ever increasingly his wisdom. And his wisdom is how to make his knowledge work. I believe that. And I want you to take careful note of the, the impetus, the, the, the absolute intense thing that I talk about an intimacy with the person Jesus. That's important. Because your mind plays so many tricks on you and the prince of the power is, is, is a master at getting your mind to start reasoning in its strength. Lying spirits are masters at convincing you that what you're thinking is more right than what you're hearing. And you cannot ascertain truth by logic or reason or intellect. Truth can only be discerned by a highly developed gift of discerning a spirit within you. Okay? So then I have tapes that will affect change. There's 26 tapes, and that's a whole pile of stuff here. There, in a concentrated form, is 28 years of my life in concentrated form. That if God would reveal, if you could go through that stuff, be dedicated to it. It's about $220 worth of stuff for about $140. I'm not trying to make money. I'm just trying to... Uh, let me suggest something here because this is my hometown. Everything that I have doesn't cost you a thing if you can't afford it. Does that make sense? I'm not out to charge. I... I don't sell anything, I ask donations and I suggest prices. Well, I've been praying about this because I, 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 I'm sick of the, of the, of the whipping of, the, of God's people to promote the scriptures to get them condemned so that they give. Does that make sense? If somebody would like to be a librarian, and you can't afford it, I'll, I'll, I'll make this available for, for any and all to come and check it out and, and study it. I might suggest, if you like, to care to support the ministry, you, you, you do that with whatever love gifts you can, okay? Is that all? That's enough about that. About all I want to say about money. Now, tonight it's important for me. I feel that it's imperative. I've got to, I, I've got to lay things before you that maybe you've never heard. And I'm going to teach you tonight how to begin to discern your spirit as something different from your mind. And I'll, 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 I'll go very cautiously because I realize people who are mind-dominant all their life and almost all the body crisis is going to open the door for an awful lot of criticism and I may not even let you have the tape. And yet, I don't know how I cannot afford not to let you have it. When I, when I was a sinner, I just briefly go through that. 
if you're not hungry, if you're not really hungry, your hunger has to be something far in excess for just knowledge of the Word. Your hunger has to be, oh, that I might know Him. Know Him in a greater awareness than you know anyone that you're intimate with here in the earth, your husband or your wife or the closest brother and sister in Christ. He will become to you in experience to the degree that you are really hungry. This hunger that's in me, I don't believe that I ever got it. I think that he sovereignly placed it there. And I'm an insane hungry man to know him. To the degree that I will not be distracted or swayed by any other being in the earth from hungering after him and seeking him and knowing him ever increasingly as my Lord. And I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will take that hunger that's in me and, and impart it to you by either what I'm saying or by me laying my hands upon you because you will not really progress experientially unless you are genuinely hungry hungry to know him in intimacy. And you can't work it up. When I feel my hunger waning, I'll go find a place and I'll spend hours pleading, yearning, crying before the Lord, Lord Jesus, please increase my hunger afresh. I'm afraid to live before God by a lot of knowledge that I've learned. I do not want to permit myself to be satisfied with the status quo. I don't even want to become highly gifted in gifts, deeply knowledge in the Word. I want to fulfill, as for me, I'm going to behold His face in righteousness and I'm not going to be satisfied until I have awakened with His total likeness in my spirit, soul, and body. If you really mean business, you're going to have to develop a, a progressive, continuous, deepening repentance. This is my lifestyle of repentance. Not only in relationships, but in, in the magnitude of my stupidity. Every time that Jesus enlightens me, does something to me by word, by spirit, by appearance, or by impartation, I find myself groveling again to find a place at the foot of the cross. I think that's safe. All right. Job, I think it's Job 32, I'm not sure. There's a spirit within man, and God Almighty gives him inspiration. Proverbs 25, 28 says, he did have no control over his spirit. It's like a city without walls torn down. Many of our problems that we have is because you have no control over your spirit because you've not discerned your spirit. You make, and you'll have to get a hold of it, and one of the tapes is in there about spirit bonds. You make bonds by being friends with someone. You make bonds by eating at a table with somebody. You make bonds by having sexual relationship with somebody. And if those bonds aren't sanctified in absolute holiness, 
the very bondage of others is going to be an effect of your bondage. Let me explain this. In my seeking the Lord as a sinner, 93 unrelenting days, 20 hours a day minimum, and I won't go into a lot of detail of that, 93 days when he appeared to me and I was born again, sanctified in a great deal of depth that Christians pray a lifetime and never experience. Then, because my soul man, my mind man, was still so lacking in proper understanding, it was the insane hunger that I had that drove me on, or drew me on, to seeking God. I had nobody to teach me. Uh, leaders that I would ask questions thought I was absolutely crazy. They never could satisfy the cry of my heart or practically anything. What was being taught in the milk law, there's nothing wrong with the milk, but I think God at a very accelerated rate brought me through the milk into beginning to eat meat in a matter of weeks and a few months' time because of my hunger. I want you to really consider if you're going to be part of this that God's going to raise up, that you think about making a commitment of giving God three hours of your day. And you live in a society in an environment that won't let you. But you can do it if you learn the rules and do it. Do the rules. And there's only one tape that lays it all down. Every tape gives something. But in, in, in what I was doing in this hunger, uh, believers, leaders, became my enemy. They said all kinds of nasty things. My wife went through hell, too. Because in normal relationships, whether conjugal, or emotional or environmental, she has certain rights. But this hunger was was so absolutely powerful in me that I had to, with my arms on my knees and uh, with my arms around her neck, pleading with her, please don't compete with God for me, lest you make him your enemy. But it was seeking his face. I now understood what I was doing, and I understand now what happened to me. My spirit man began to rule in my life predominantly, even though consciously I was not aware of this. Let me explain that. I had no control of my spirit. My spirit was, was quickened and drawn in an uncanny way to Jesus Christ, moment by moment, not just just uh, 10 minutes a day. I went to a pastor, I said, what's the matter with me? I says, I, I'm, I'm having trouble. He says, what kind of trouble? I'm having trouble to focus on the things of this world. I'm having trouble to relate to responsibility in life. I'm drawing, I, I, it's, it isn't that I had it, he says, more people ought to have that problem. You see, I didn't know what was going on. 
but now I understand and now I'm teaching these things. So my spirit man and the things that I did, I, I won't go into the detail of that tonight, maybe we can in rap session or questions sometime, because I want to get through some things here tonight. My spirit became free. You'll hear me sometimes prophesying to people that you're a free spirit. Now, this lady here, she's a free spirit. And this lady's a free spirit. Uh, Kaidi over here. What does that mean? That means without awareness of your conscious mind, your spirit can do things independent of your will. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Well, I'll go on. So, uh, when I started out, I started out in seven months' time, I was, I was already beginning to become a real capable prophet, but I didn't know that. I, I, I was too dumb to recognize that. Things were happening to me in, in the spirit that my mind was not keeping up with. So I'd go to a restaurant with my family to get away from the demands of people on me. Well, while we're sitting there eating, my spirit goes around with nose trouble, uh, nosing in at all the tables. Now, it's called out-of-the-body experience. Don't be afraid of that term, because I'm going to show you that that is a scriptural ability of a matured person or even an immature person in Christ. I'll give you the scripture for it. So when I would come back to my body, so to speak, I had all those people's oppressions, demonic oppressions. So the Lord used that to chasten me to become disciplined, to have control over my spirit. And when I started in evangelism in Mexico, and boy, they just loaded with demons down there, praying for them, whether I lay hands on them or, or not, those devils would jump off of them on me and it'd take me days and weeks to get them off of me. I had no defense. I had no control of my spirit. He that is, has no control of his spirit is like a city without walls torn down. In other words, I was an open target of constant assault. See? And friendships that go bad remain oppressive to believers because those bonds that they made ignorantly with their spirit continue on. Because the greatest bonds is made through the sex act. Something of the woman spirit commingles with the man. Something of the man's spirit commingles with the woman. And even though they separate physically, they can be 10,000 miles apart, but they're one spirit. Does that make sense? So you can see how God hates adultery because let's say that this man has had ten women and each one of them ten women has had ten men. You've got a thousand bonds on your spirit. Can you see how, and if it's worse than that, you've got more than a thousand bonds. It's just horrendous the way it multiplies. And that's why they've got troubles. You've got to learn to walk free. You've got to learn to discern your spirit. You've got to learn to control your spirit. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not careless with my spirit anymore. I keep it here. 
it stays home. It stays right here. Now, let's start looking at some scripture. Paul had never, he was in prison. He'd never been in the city, Colossae. But in Colossians 2.5, he says, Being absent from my body, but present with you in the spirit, beholding your order and your joy. Here he was over here in jail, and here his spirit was over here in the church of Colossae, watching them and observing them and seeing and hearing what's going on. Now here's our holy apostle of God doing it. You say, that's the old cult. Now the old cult major in this. Christians are so dumb and so fearful that they will draw from these things. But I want to warn you, do not, even if I teach you these things, do not play games. Your attitudes, your motives must be as holy and purity of heart as the Father. Otherwise, if you're careless, it's going to open doors for you to become oppressed, maybe even possessed. This is grow-up time. Are you listening to me? Now, remember also when, when Andrew come and come to the Lord Jesus and he walked away from him and went and got Nathaniel and talked to him and we found the Messiah? Can anything good come out of Israel? Nathaniel said, and so as Nathaniel was walking up to Jesus, he said, Behold an Israelite whom there's no guile. Nathaniel said, Well, how do you know me? He says, When you was under the fig tree with Andrew, I saw you. So here's something Jesus was over here, and his spirit followed Andrew as he went to find Nathaniel, and he saw him under the fig tree with Andrew. Does that make sense? So here we see Jesus doing these things. Now let's go through the Old Testament. When they talk about the story of Naaman, and you know that story if you have read the scriptures at all, about the Hebrew maid saying that there's a prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha who will heal you if you go down there. So he comes outside the tent. Elisha didn't even come out of the tent. Told him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Well, you know, he got mad at that because I've been there in Jordan. That is one dirty river. But up in Syria, there are clean, white, white, uh, clean, clear rivers. So his servant convinced him, well, if he'd asked you, if the prophet said, do a hard thing, you'd have done that. But he told you a little, little simple thing right there, why don't you do that? So he did it in obedience and come, and he was healed. So he came back to give Elisha a reward. He said, no way, I don't want no reward. So he went on his way. But as he was went on, he got out of sight. Gehazi, who was his servant, approached the chariot and says, My master, ten and nine, a couple of guys come uh, and they need some raiment. And so he gave them uh, a change of clothing and gold. And he went and hid that stuff in his tent. And he came into Elisha and says, Elisha says, Is it a time to receive a reward? The leprosy that was on Naaman is now on you. And he said, Didn't my spirit go with you? Isn't that marvelous? Now, you see, you learn these things, and, and if you're committed, you, you, you have privilege without permission for your family, but you don't have privilege without commission for anyone else to do these things. Have you understood that remark? In other words, I can't do my out-of-the-body work to come at your house to see what's going on in your bedroom or your bathroom, or what you're saying, you follow me? No games. I must, I must be as holy 
in commitment to righteousness as God is. So if I play games for a wrong motive, I'm opening the door for my demon oppression. And also then I open the door for witchcraft. Am I making sense? Now, so you see, and then Ezekiel with that nut was, was out of the body all the time. Caught up, Spirit of the Lord. And then, of course, then we have the spiritual principle of what I call airline swish, uh, which was uh, Philip, he closed down his healing meeting because the Spirit of God told him to go, or an angel told him to go down to Gaza, and he saw this Ethiopian eunuch that had been to Jerusalem reading in Isaiah, and he joined himself to church. Church, you understand what you're reading? Well, no, who's going to guide me? So he began from the beginning of the scripture and preached Christ to him. And then he baptized him in water, and when he baptized him in water, all of a sudden, uh, Philip was caught away physically by the Spirit, 200 miles away in an instant of time. Now, there's a group in Ontario, Canada, that are doing this at will, ministering all over the earth. They don't use airlines. They use the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit uses them. See, so we're far behind. Have I shared that with you now? You understand. It's important for you to begin to learn to discern your spirit. There's something really different than your mind. Yes, you have a... Now, did you say we can use it amongst our own family? You can do it to your own family. I have, I have liberty without permission or commission because that's my family. But, but I, yeah, my immediate family, my blood family, my, my children and my wife. But I do not have permission with my family if they're married for me to go find out secretly what's going on unless I have permission from God or permission. Does that make sense? Or other brothers and sisters. No games in this. Now, so because of the restaurant deal in me, I began to realize that I had no control of my spirit. So I had to learn control over it. I don't play games. Now, I'll give you another principle. Remember what Jesus said, where I am, my servant is also. Well, would it be just as safe to say where he is, I am? Now, we know that he is someplace today in a glorified corporeal being is someplace in glorified flesh. Wherever he's at, I'm there because we're one spirit. And, and wherever I'm at, he's there because he's in me by the very life. So I want you to understand, knowing things through the Spirit knows no distance because everywhere is right where you're at. Does that make sense? So like Paul, he, was, he said, he's talking about himself in the second person. He said, I know a man 14 years ago who was caught up to the third heaven. Well, in the Bible, out of the Bible, I don't know what, but he caught up in third heaven in the paradise of God. Now, where in the world is third heaven? We know that people teach, and you hear it, I've heard it taught, that the air around here, physically around the earth here is the first heaven, and then around the Milky Way is the second heaven, and beyond that is the third heaven. Well, that may be so, and God inhabits all those physical heavens, but when it comes to heaven, 
heaven in God and in spirit is omnipresent everywhere. Are you ready for this? If you can develop that kind of awareness with God complete in you, you become omniscient with his omnipresence. Isn't that mind-boggling? Now think of that when you're complete. Hallelujah. Now, for example, my wife is home, about 17 miles from here. People say, well, don't you think your wife ought to travel with you? Yeah, that's pretty good, but she does. For where I am, my wife is also. And where she is, I am, because, see, we are one spirit in omnipresence. So I'm never without her. And she's never without me. We might be without each other physically, but we're never without each other spiritually. So we've developed those abilities that where she is, I am also. And where I am, she is also. And she's right here. The other day you heard me say, do you understand that when Jesus and I read this on the last meeting, do you understand he said, Father, that there may be one, I in you, and you in me, and they in us? Do you know what that means, I in you? and you and me and we and the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus us and we and the Father and the Father and us it's a matter of spiritual knowing it's a matter of developed spiritual senses it's a matter of developed faculties and senses and knowing that is far superior to that of the mind am I making sense to you? But you have the responsibility to develop those senses. He has given them senses to you, but you have the responsibility to develop them, to exercise them, to train with them, not him. When a baby is born, a physical baby is born, now I think you mothers, most of you adults probably know this, that, that when, when they're first born, they don't really see hardly anything. They just may say, say light. But in the matter of that two, three weeks or something, because of the light stimuli that begin to come through their sight senses, they gradually begin to form images into their soul faculties that comes through the physical senses. They begin to see. And as they go, they begin, and, they, and they hear all these sounds, they begin to repeat the sound pretty soon and say, Dada and Mama and all that stuff. The same way with a believer. He exercises his physical senses to read the word, to hear the word, but he never becomes like God. Because the scripture says the natural man, the sukikos man, the man who lives before God by his mind dominant, cannot receive the things of God, cannot know the things of God, cannot experience the things of God, their spirit ascertained. Did you hear what I've said? Your mind really is your enemy. Your mind is supposed to be renewed, but that's not done. It's not renewed through learning. It's renewed through intimacy with Jesus Christ in the Spirit. But if you don't know how to live in the Spirit, Jesus Christ cannot renew your mind. You have to exercise your intelligence to keep learning about God. So fulfilling the Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 7, ever learning, but never coming to the experienced knowledge of truth. So if you want to really experience God, you've got to lose your mind. 
You don't want to lose your mind in dysfunction or in destruction. You just want to lose it where you aren't using it. Or you aren't originating its activity. Am I making sense? All right. Now, I think we must go a little further here. In, in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, my gracious, I've already talked too long. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, if the Holy Spirit will permit me, I'm going to have a workshop here tonight. I want you to look at the, uh, let's look at the 13th verse. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, let me read the King James here. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. If you're going to feed on the Bible said desire the sincere milk of the word, that's fine. But my gracious, if you mothers fed your babies milk, only milk, very long, they wouldn't live very long, would they? They cannot live very long on milk. They, yeah, that's all. It's automatically reversed. They can only live if they begin to start feeding them something more solid than milk. But because the church hasn't even got past the elementary doctrines, Hebrews 6 1 says, let us, let, let us, Therefore, let us set aside the elementary doctrines of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Well, what in the world is the doctrines of perfection? You don't hear these things in the body of Christ. That's some of the things that Jesus said, I've got many, in Luke 16, uh, John 16, 12, I've got many things to say to you yet, but you're not yet ready to receive them. Why? Because you live before God out of the dominance of your mind. And yet the Bible commands us, I want you to set those elementary things aside that I want you to come, come go on to perfection. And Paul come along and said, the eye has not seen, First uh, Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, the eye hasn't seen and the ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered the heart, of, the heart of man, the glory that God has revealed unto us by his Spirit. But it is revealed to us by his Spirit, even the deep things of God. I want you to understand, the deep things of God have never been written. They don't even exist in the Bible. Well, how, how are you going to know whether it's God, these deep things? Well, I guarantee you, logical, reasonable intellect cannot know whether it's God. Only by you having a developed spirit in union with the Holy Spirit so that he, the Holy Spirit, can, in a very high qualified way, Manifest discerning spirit through you. From the inside, through your heart, to your conscious mind, so that you receive rhema knowing from the inside, not from the outside. All truth that becomes experienced has to have its origin from the inside, never from the outside. Even though I might be speaking truth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's the, it's the logos and remains a lot of us 
until somehow it penetrates through your conscious mind, through your subconscious mind, into your heart, and there Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, quickens it with the word and causes it to become substance. Then it becomes the substance and experience of himself. Isn't that marvelous? Hallelujah. So if we're going to feed on milk, then we're going to be dead and we don't even know it. We're going to be living by intellect, learned knowledge that doesn't work. I want to say it again. Everything that's written and everything that you've ever heard, God has intended that you have a relationship with it, relationship with him, looking unto him so that he can offer faith in it. So he, and what is faith? Faith is the substance of the thing that you've been believing for. So that you can mix his faith with the thing you're believing so you become the experience and character and ability of what you believe or what you've been learning. And people don't even know what to do to look away to Jesus so he can author and face away because the word look away is a command of action that you've got to do. Now, you've heard me many times and I want to just for brevity's sake I hope I've got 39 minutes yet I want you to look at James this is a famous scripture that's quoted all the time James 1.22 but prove to yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers of it lest you deceive yourselves now, I always preach in scriptures that you cannot do with human intellect. There's just no way that you can do it. It's impossible to do it. For example, the scripture, look away into Jesus so he can often finish faith. That is totally a human impossibility to do that. You cannot do that with your mind. There's no way you can do it. You have to do it with your spirit. And if you don't live in your spirit, or by your spirit, then he cannot offer and finish faith. Okay? Now, let's go to chapter 2 verse of James. What use is it, my brethren, verse 14, if a man says he has faith and he doesn't have corresponding effects? Can faith save him? Verse 17, even so faith, if it hasn't, doesn't have works or corresponding effects or confirming results, it's dead. Is dead faith. And that's what most of us in the Bible of Christ have got dead faith. Most of what we believe don't work. Come on, most of what we believe don't work. Much of what we believe don't work. Dead faith. You see, it's evidence that our mind is playing God. Then verse 20, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without corresponding evidence of effects is useless? Isn't that a bomb? Now I'm paraphrasing there. But I don't think I'm changing it. Verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now you don't work to get faith. And yet you do. But you have to do it according to the rules. If you don't do it according to the rules, then he cannot give you faith. If you really have results, it's only because Jesus has imparted his faith to cause the result to happen. 
not because you have anything yourself. Without me or apart from me, you can't do nothing. Okay? Now, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews, the uh, fourth chapter, and we'll look at verse 11. Let us therefore labor to enter in to rest. Now, the word labor is a command for you to, be, to do some kind of action. Let us do the, do the work of labor to enter into rest. Well, what in the world rest? Rest is the, ability, is the ability to perform so supernaturally powerful with perfect results without any exposure of your energy. That's what rest is. And Jesus Christ is the rest. So we've got to labor to get in union with him. If you abide in me, the word if is conditional, the word abide shows an action word. If conditional that you do the action of abiding in me, and my rhema word can abide or have the action of having being supreme in you, you shall ask what you will, it will leap into existence. If the body of Christ was teaching believers what to do to do the abiding, when they looked at it, do you realize that their success would become the equality of Jesus Christ? Uh, abiding in him knows no failure. But you hear this quoted all the time. But see, here's something that you can't do with the intellect. There's no ability of soul performance in this at all. It's only spiritual performance. If we live in the spirit, if we live in the spirit, we do the work of abiding. If we do the work of abiding, Rhema will have supremacy in Israel. Speak it as we will. It'll be done to us. Just leap into existence. Hallelujah. Are you liking this? Now in the Hebrews, no, Philippians 4, let's, let's look at it. Philippians 3. Philippians 2, verse 12 says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Are you doing that? As an individual? Are you daily working out your salvation with fear and trembling? Or are you hoping along? Present you feeling that because you believe and because you call that somehow there's going to be an advocate of the miracle done by you and you're going to be changed. No, 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 no. We've got 1987 years of church failure. That's sad. We don't, we don't know of anybody that's come to the success of, the, of his image. Why? Because soul has been sitting on the throne of their life as God, acting like God, thinking like God, talking like God, quoting God, mimicking God, but having very little, really, results. Am I making sense? Now, he, uh, let me get Philippians over here. Work out your salvation for fear and coming. So now we've got to, I want you to associate that scripture with 2 Timothy 2.5. The athlete does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Rules? I thought this was all by grace through faith. Yes, it is. But as a sinner, it required no responsibility on your part, but now as a believer, it's going to cause some, it's going to cause a requirement of work according to spirit rules. Who's teaching the rules? Nobody's teaching the rules because they don't know them. The rule is looking away into Jesus. The rule is abiding in Him. The rule is dwelling in a secret place. The rule is living and walking in the Spirit. The rule is working out your salvation. The rule is mixing faith with what you see or what you hear. 
But you see, what you see with these eyes and what you hear with these ears, there's not a mixing. You can't mix faith with that. You can do something by faith, but if you abide in Him, then He gives you the faith to mix with what you see and hear. Does that make sense? I like that. It's important for you to be intimate then with Him. Hallelujah. To grow up. Uh, Philippians 3. Let's look at um, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained or have already become perfect, but I press on. I press on. I'm in motion. I'm doing something. And we find the same word done verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God which is in Christ Jesus. Are you a pressing Christian? Are you really pressing in? Are you pressing in according to the rules? He, you know, he's in that scripture, Second Timothy 2, 5, the athlete does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Spiritually he's saying, now you're not going to win this prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus unless you can hold your life to compete, your spirit to compete with your soul according to the rules. And your soul is going to really do a number on you. Because it's going to play like God, act like God, think like God, talk like God, believe like God, but still won't be God. Because, you see, your soul life isn't being ordered according to the rules. This word process local. It means, now look at this, there's nothing passive in Christ. Nothing passive in the scripture. Everything is aggressive. Yoka means to pursue violently and vigorously, habitually urging, consistently, persistently, insistently, emphatically, intensely, irrevocably, advancing forcefully, fully, and exerting every thought and attitude and motive and action of your heart, demanding, I will break out of my limitation. I will not be denied. Well, that's pressing in. Well, I like that. <laughs> Are you a pressing Christian? Am I staying sweet when I ask you that question? No. <laughs> All right, now, I want you to go over here to Matthew 11, verse 12, the last part. Uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Now, where in the world is the kingdom of heaven? It's not this physical heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the omnipresence of God, and that's in you. So the kingdom of heaven is in you. What's the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the spirit realm, or the kingdom of omnipresence is all that God is and has in provision in the realm of spirit. But the kingdom of God is all that you reach into that realm of omnipresence and take it out of that realm and bring it into your experience. That becomes you, the kingdom of God on the earth. Isn't that marvelous? Hallelujah. The kingdom of God suffered violence, and violent men take it by force. Now, this suffered violence is translated into the word biazo. And biazo means zealous eagerness to be forcibly seized. It means you're crowding and entering into it. You're, you're pushing your life into the realm of spirit. Does that make sense? Now this word, and violent men, I, I like that, that word is biastes. It means energetic action and prompt 
in prompt and effective force, motivated to potency, determined to possess. The kingdom of God suffered violence and violent men taken for. We've never had a violent Christian that has taken the kingdom of God by force in all its fullness. What do we do? We get a little anointing, we we just start manifesting a little bit of gifts, and from that time on, we settle down and just become a partial manifestation. We never, we get satisfied and we don't go on. Now, let me see here. Oh, take it by force. I've got to get that into you. Now, take it by force comes from a word, all three of them words, four of them words, comes by the word harpazo. It means to seize and to both open the realm of omnipresence forcibly. It means to compel, to capture by authority. It means to overwhelmingly take possession, usurping the power effect of the throne. Isn't that gracious? It's the same word that Paul said, I know the man, 14 years ago, whether in the body, out of the body, I don't know, that he was caught up, he was harpadra up to the third heaven. He just wasn't walking along and all of Abba-de-Babba, he was in there. No, he was doing something with his spirit. It's the same word that is translated about, and she gave birth to a man-child who was caught up, the word caught up is translated from the word harpajo, to the throne, and they shall rule the nations with a rod of iron. I'm inviting you to become a harpajo Christian. That is the only condition that will give you the privilege of being complete and absolutely immune from all disasters in the days ahead. If you will exercise your life to become a harpazo Christian. And the man shall be caught up to the throne of God, to rule the nations of right iron, they're not going to be caught out of the earth up into some physical air, into some physical throne. No, the throne is in here. Here's where the throne is. They're going to be caught up to throne experience, and they will be the throne of God in all of his omniscience, in all of his omnipotence. Isn't that glorious? Oh, come on, Savior, let's, let's, let's make it happen. What, what, a, what a wonderful prize. And I believe God has given me some of the answers on, on how to do that. Now, what you said, it's not a life to be attained, it's a life to be obtained. It's not a matter of change, it's a matter of exchange. His for yours. Hallelujah. Amen? Now, let's go back to Hebrews 5.14. And uh, we're going to get into this. Strong meat belongs to those who are of full age, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Now, what senses is he talking about? Spiritual senses. Anybody know what your spiritual senses are? Hmm? What is your spiritual senses? Okay, now that's your faculties. That's a tripart faculty. Is, is, is your conscience, your intuition, and your communion faculties. But your spiritual senses are the same senses that your physical man has and that your mind has. Okay? Now, if you want to develop in motor skills, riding a bicycle, 
typing a typewriter, uh, driving a car, what do you do? You practice. You practice. You go a little bit unsteady, but you keep working at it, and your soul man along with your physical man began to develop in motor skills. Well, what do you do if you want to develop your mind man, your soul man? You get them baby blue eyes or baby brown eyes looking at books or screens, if they show it on the screens and things like this, and you practice. You store a lot of that stuff. Then you got all that knowledge. Then you have to learn wisdom on how to make that knowledge work. Well, if there's mechanics and techniques and methods of exercise to develop in motor physical skills, and there's mechanics and methods and techniques and exercise to develop mental skills, is it possible that there are mechanics and methods and techniques of exercise to develop spiritual skills? But they have to be done according to the rules. You don't develop motor skills unless you develop, you work at it according to the rules. You don't develop mental skills unless you do it according to the rules. Do you? So strong meat or, let me see how it reads out of the, uh, the King James. But strong meat belong to them that are of full age. Now this word full age is chaos. It means strong meat is for those who are reaching for perfection. Isn't that great? Do you want to come to perfection? Then start feeding on some strong meat and start doing the strong meat. That's where we got the problem because you see, soul life wants to be gratified. Soul life would rather play God and fail than lose its gratification. Jesus said, except a man lose his suke, he cannot find his numa. Now suke is soul and soul is mind. Except a man lose his mind, he cannot find zoe life. And zoe life is immortal life. It's God physical or free of physical life. If you don't lose your mind, the only way you're ever going to become immortal is through physical death and up in the resurrection. But if you lose it, <laughs> you just might break into immortality while alive. Wouldn't that be such a bad thing to do? <laughs> now, you not did it. Elisha did it. Jesus provided the cross for it, said it's finished. And Romans 5.14 says, Death only reigned from Adam to Moses. And when Moses was finished, death was finished. But you see, we go on dying. We keep, we keep the scripture, John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, destroy, and to kill, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Someday. But don't you know that, that faith is always now? Now faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. But faith is in Jesus Christ. It's not in the psychic. It's not in the memories. Faith is in Jesus Christ. All right, look around to Jesus. So you can often finish faith. And you've heard me quote John 5.39, you search out the scriptures, for then you think you have eternal life, but they are only talking about me. But then he says in verse 4, that you never come to me, that you might have zero life. We spend laborious years, a lifetime, in the Word. Get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word. You hear that all the time. But you hear everybody say, also come to Jesus. 
No, you don't hear that. But it's not even enough to say come to Jesus if you don't know how to come. And he said, he that come, yeah. I think, I think it's one yeah, they probably do. Yeah, spending hours in the Word. But see, I know there's a difference. I know there's a difference. If I'm going to spend hours in the Word, I want to give equal hours of coming to Him. Well, what do you do to do that, and how do you do it? My whole message teaches, all my messages teaches these principles. There is a difference of coming to Him, or He would say, you spend all your time in the Word, but he only tells about. But you never come to me that you might have life. Well, it's true because why? The old thief, thief that comes along, kills his dead. Listening? And we accept that. Bless God, we get into that old box. And people call a lot of tears over us. Nice flowers on us. There's a hole in Oh, it's such a good brother, such a good sister. We said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And that now that I've got into that. <laughs> We've got to look at that. The word uh, life is Zoe, and it means I've come that you might have immutable, unchangeable, imperishable, everlasting, living life, living life, immortal, undying, irremovable life that's alienated from the consequences of the fall. It's in the present tense. It's through physical, immortal substance in you as the Father and Son presently have it. I've come that you might have that kind of life. But nobody believes that. Amen. They just don't believe that. They, they would rather believe the old school foot. And then, then this word abundantly is a paralysose. It means outcome that you might have have a zero life, superabundant in quality and quantity, beyond nation, unstendingly plentiful, overflowing, fully sufficient, bountiful with overplus, opulent and wealthy, and unusually copious and profuse in supply. Well, I'm a farmer boy, so I didn't get educated in all them big words, but I understand this. It's good stuff. <laughs> is that right? All right. Are you ready for the exercise? Now, we're going to awaken senses in you that you didn't know you had. Did you remember me telling you that your spirit has substance to it? Dr. Henry Kilner, who's not a mystic of the East, and he's not occult, he didn't say he was Christian, but in research, have you ever heard the word awe? It's, it's that halo of light around people. They, they show pictures of Jesus and the holy men of God with oils around them. He found out in his research, as these people would pass through these various things, that everybody had, had a halo of light around them from one to four inches, depending on what's going on. So he went up and took a finger on the outer edge of that and held it and clipped it off and took it over and put it on a scale and weighed it and had weight. No dead person has an aura. Every living thing has an aura. A glass, a grass blade. How everything has an aura. My wife has the ability to see aura or as a will. It's a gift that God has given to her. See? And so we exercise those values of those gifts and, and, and things which we won't go into now. Now, would you like to see aura? Okay. Put your thumb up there towards the light. Can you see that fuzzy fuzzy part, you close one eye and look at it right over the edge of your thumb. Can you see that fuzzy part of your thumb? Huh? That's your aura. That's, that's the heaviest substance of it. Okay? Now, be very... I don't know if I ought to teach this or not. Too far, too late. Already got started it. 
I want you to take your hands and I want you to develop a conscious awareness of pressure on your hand as you bring your hands from way out here at arm reach in towards your head very slow and all of a sudden you begin to feel a change of pressure on the palm of your hand as you get closer. How do you do that? Keep doing it like this. Watch me. See? Like this. Can you feel it? Feeling it on your hand. Huh? Yeah. Well, I feel it on my head there, but I can actually tangibly feel it with the senses in my hand. Okay? So, this is why when I'm next to you, we get our auras commingled. Does that make sense? That's why in the sex act, our spirits commingle. Does that make sense? This is why in friendship, our, our spirits commingle. So when I hug the saints, I hug them with walls that knows no wall. You understand that? In other words, come here, Maribel. You see, some, some women hug men with their bodies. Now that's where this has got to stop. And some men hug women with their bodies. You see? So you give them a dispute hug. <laughs> I'm withholding my body. But at the same time, if I can't discern whether you're clean in your spirit, I have walls to you. You know what walls are. Just let somebody get mad at you, and you know there's walls that you can feel. See, so I have walls that are to you, but I can come to you to bless you, but I don't allow you to come to me to dump your garbage on me. Does that make sense? If you have garbage. So I've learned to hug people with balls that has no wall. Do you understand what I've said? Mm -hmm. And you need to learn that. Learn to be discreet. Especially when men and women hug, hug each other. If they're careless, and I got lust on me, you see, and I get close to her, then my lust is commingling with her aura, you see, and start turning her on. And your spirit, and if it's perverted, you see, there's included in that commingling the effect of a demonic spirit. This is why you find Christians getting involved, because you see, they're not discerning. They're not, if we live in the spirit, we shall not fulfill, you can sit down, we shall not fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. These are, if you don't have control of your spirit, then you're going to get you're going to get it, one way or the other. Everybody's going to get tempted. Yes, Dan. Well, I think some know that there's a closeness with it. Um, it's hard to explain. There's nothing sexual about her. Such a closeness with some brothers and with some sisters. Oh yes. You see, this is why uh, you you can make bonds without the sexual act. Because your spirit reaches out to a person, you follow me? And we may not be dealing with your spirit, but now we're commingled. We make bonds without conscious awareness. Does that make sense? So when I go into a restaurant, I let my spirit just fill the room to discern what's going on in the restaurant. Some of them are so filled with devils, I can't eat there, I gotta leave. Does it make sense? Because I want to be as free from, from evil and bad as possible. Also, some people I won't hug. You'll see me just stand back and, and, and just shake their hand. Sometimes I don't even want to shake their hand because I discern the garbage in their, in their spirit. And I don't need that. Now, let me give you another example. 
I don't know how far get it. I was performing a wedding ceremony for one of our couples, and here I was standing in front of the groom, and all of a sudden here, my spirit, because I'm a free spirit, was in him, commingled with his spirit. Spirits, are, they commingle. They, God and Satan and the human spirit and jelly spirits can inhabit that body, and they can keep their separate identities influencing your emotions and minds with its effects and your body. And I, I can prove that. I won't go into that very right now. But here I was in this room, discerning and perceiving all of the deep affection for his bride. So when I ministered to her, now I didn't do this consciously. It just happened automatically. But all of a sudden, here I was, her. We were one spirit. And when I ministered, and I could feel all of the affection for her. Isn't that marvelous? See, so you're not as much of a physical untouchable as you think you are. This is why it's important for you to learn the control of your spirit and to discern your spirit. This is why I taught you that, that you may not develop that sense. But you see now, my wife tells me, depending on the anointing, my aura expands out many times beyond where I reach and sometimes it fills the room. And I watch people when I minister to them prophetically, I call them out, and this, this oraic anointing increases the degree of the Holy Spirit upon me, and I watch people come down the aisle from their pews or chairs where they're sitting, and they get into the outer periphery of that glorious magnetic field of spirit, and they start being affected. Isn't that amazing? Now, uh, your, your pastor over there, I'm sure that he doesn't even know what he does with his spirit, but I watch his spirit all the time. Uh, his spirit, he'll be up there on that platform preaching, and his spirit will come right over here to me where I'm sitting. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sure that most people have never discerned their spirit. I'm telling you, it's imperative that you learn to discern your spirit as something different from your soul, physical person, or else your soul is going to play God, and you'll never grow in discerning your spirits either. Not only must you grow in discerning your spirits, but you must also grow in trying the spirits. So you see, we've got a lot of things to learn, haven't we? Isn't this marvelous? Now, how, how much farther am I going to go in this? Now, huh? Share with them to expand their words. Oh, yes. Now, let's see. Your wife is not here? Our wife your wife's day. Where's your husband and wife? Is the husband? Come on. Uh, I, I just, you see, now, it's, this is more, this is why we shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. It's more than laying empty hands on sick bodies or empty heads. You see, I, everything I do, I do with my spirit. I open my spirit. I draw with my spirit. I project with my spirit. So when I lay my hands upon my body, I'm literally imparting the substance of spirit. And that anointing, it's the anointing does the work, that royal. It, even, it isn't even how much I say. It's what I'm doing more than what I'm saying. This is why I say a false prophet cannot be discerned by what they say, but what they are in the spirit. And you can only know that by discerning a spirit. Now, just for convenience of physical, uh, comfortable life, are you afraid? No. <laughs> okay. Now, I want your hands to hang down your side. Body language, the crossing of your legs, locks up your spirit. The locking of your arms locks up your spirit. The physical tenseness locks up your spirit. Now, I know that by being able to see spirit. So, you just, I ain't got a scripture for that. Sitting so. down while you're worshiping. Huh? 
we should always remember to sit yes. down instead of standing when working. Right. Now, you see that I'm, I'm laying, my left hand is my power hand, but my right hand is my authority hand. And I don't have any scripture for it, but because I've seen thousands saved without saying a sinner's prayer by touching right here about where the cowlick is, and I see a shaft of light come down, and I've seen him born again by spiritual sight, not because they said the sinner's prayer. A lot of people say the sinner's prayer where there's no repentance. Isn't that something? Now, what I want you to do, I want you to exercise all your faculties, your physical faculties, relaxed. Your mental faculties, you're going to play a little game that you're going to, like, you're just going to open up the top of your head like a baby robin at feeding time, okay? And then you're going to concentrate and you're going to lift your inner man right up into God in the spirit realm, okay? <laughs> yeah. I see, people, people, it happens to them different ways. They get lightheaded. Some of them feel like they've been like rain. My goosebumps get goosebumps. Some like electrical current. Some like hot flashes. Or a lot of things happen. And second Hezekiah says, better felt than felt, you know. Now lift. There we go. Higher. Can you feel that? Didn't you feel good? What have you done? You have sim simply did the work of separating your spirit from your soul physical bondage. Isn't that wonderful? Now, let me do this to your husband. Okay. Sometimes people think what I'm doing here, I'm just practicing phrenology, rubbing their bumps on their head, and I'm not. See, over here is your will faculties, so your will to open up, and now you lift. Oh my, he's, he's just buzzing, cousin. Hallelujah. Amen? Can you feel that? Yeah. Can you feel great? Now, being he's the husband, he's your head, I want you to stand, just for comfortable convenience, put your left hand on her forehead, and your right hand always stands for authority in God, about right where Italic is. Now, I want you to open up, but I want you to open up and then draw God, and draw him right down here in your arms, and lift her spirit right up into God. And you just open up and lift. <laughs> How many of you sense it? Can you sense it? You see, I actually not only sense it, I see what they're doing through spirituality. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Now I'm going to bless every one of you. Okay. Now, many times when I lay hand on, it's like concrete up here. <laughs> But yours is not. <laughs> there's no, there's no power flow. That's why, because because of demons in the air or because of friction in relationship, the spirit withers up and hides away inside. But people never get their spirit up again, so then they relate to God for the rest of their life from the mind, and and depress people instead of when they're depressed, you know, they they, they got devils attack themselves from the outside or attach themselves to their body. Uh, spirits of lust will attack, uh, attach themselves to sex organs or, or to breasts and things like this. Does that make sense? Uh, so if you develop spiritual eyes, you see these things, so you know what's going on, okay? Now what am I doing? I'm just placing my authority hand on various places because right here's the memory banks, here's the emotional banks, 
here's the thought faculties, here's the perceptive faculty, and all I'm doing is just sensing it's a gift that God has given me if there's any bondage or restraints upon her spirit. Can you feel that? You know feel good? Feels good all over, doesn't any place else, doesn't it? Now, you can sit down again. Now, let's, let's bless you. So, you see, when I bless people, I'm doing more than just laying hands on empty heads. I'm, and, and that's not saying that they're empty heads. But, you see, I'm just using that as a term. You're doing fine. Can you feel that? Hmm? Yes. <laughs> Do you feel good? Come on. Let me get my fire water here. Hallelujah. Now, you see, when she got up, her spirit was this far out in front of you. Are you aware of that? No. Yeah. You see, I was. You caught her, didn't you? Oh, beautiful. No restraint. Can you feel that? Mm -hmm. Do you feel good? Second Hezekiah says it's better felt than talk. Okay. Come on. Come on. Have you ever read Second Hezekiah? Second Hezekiah's got some awful good scripture. One of my favorite books. The one I like most is Second Hezekiah 9.14. Blessed is he who yields the temptation and eats all the chocolate chip cookies that he wants. I like that. <laughs> now just relax. I want you to relax. You're physically relaxed. Oh, beautiful. Did you feel good? Did you feel good? My wife just loves me to bless her. Come on. Bless everybody here. Relax. There, you see? Now, you, you were tensing, but wasn't aware that you were tensing. When I said relax, you consciously relax, and your spirit just opened right up. Now you're buzzing. Sometimes I have to mind as well. One more. <laughs> now, this is the beginning of spiritual exercise. Come on, my oh, brother. Okay. No, no. Oh, okay. Don't want you to get too much of you. Be floating home. You'll be floating home. Come on. You never heard anything like this, have you, brother? No. Whatever it is. Now, he, he's a very logical man. You, can you pick this up? No, I'm not. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> huh? Now, what I mean about uh, that's not a discrediting remark. In other words, you, you use your mind to, uh, with strength to perform your life. Does that make sense? Well, I think so. No? Yeah. yeah. No? No? I try not. Yeah. And yet, before God, he's like a child with simplicity of affection for him. Can you feel that? I feel like a child, and I am. Yeah, I love your heart. <laughs> Come on, Deanna. I'll get, I'm going to get to all of you. Just bless you. This is why, as we assemble together, there's more to it. It isn't all the time of just making some powerful prayer over somebody, but it's just blessing. Beautiful day. You see, now, I put my hands in your spirit, and I see she's in warfare. And you know that, don't you? See, she's in warfare, and God has permitted that, though, to perfect her, make her a great lady in God. Ah, you're in warfare, too. 
You're doing fine now, but you, you need to have somebody who knows how to do these things to bless you more often, Martha. Yes, I do. Yes. Oh, I'm teaching you these things so you can do this among yourselves. When I pastored, we had the elders standing and they're coming in the doors. The first thing they did was bless the people. They handled them and bless them as they come in the door. By the time they got the sanctuary, the power of God was there. Oh, yeah. You're pretty happy with that spirit of yours. Come on, Jack, Kitey. <laughs> That's good. Sure. Anybody, anybody can do this thing. And I'll show you how to bless yourself in a minute. <laughs> Relax. There you go. See, now you was a little tense, but you was no. You developed these conscious, conscious awarenesses. See, I'm taking a little bit more time. There you go. And the more I bless you, the more. Didn't you feel good? <laughs> Come on, brother. Now here's a guy. He's he's a mind guy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. What am I doing? I'm patenting patent his aura to shock it. There we go. At first, you see, he just he just he uses his mind in his work. Now, you just need to practice this. What I'm teaching you. Keep lifting. Relax. As you're as you're lifting, you're loving him. You make it love to Jesus. This is the this is what I was doing. I was doing that for sixty hours, and I got caught up to the third heaven, like in paradise of God. Come on, uh, 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 Judy. Is it Judy? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, somebody, I just broke a bond. Some woman made a bond with you that was restraint to you. All feminine bonds on the left side, masculine bonds on the on this on the right side. The Holy Spirit bond about right here where the cowlick is. Isn't that something? The moment I touched that, there was a restraint. The moment I touched it with power, I thought, just because you haven't learned yet how to discern every people's spirit at every time. But you learn. I prayed with a woman today that. Could that be a, a oh, it could be, yeah. Open could yourself be. up to mm -hmm. Yeah, you open yourself up.